Doe got a little, he got a little picture of a, um, a pit bull in his locker. You know what I'm saying? That's what he's supposed to be. He really like my, uh, my little dog Apollo, though. A Cavalier King Charles. That's more fitting. That's more fitting for him. <laughs> Good morning, hello, 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 hi, what is up, how are you doing today, or good afternoon, or good evening. Whatever time you're listening to this podcast, I hope it's the best time of your life. I'm Bobby Corella. this is Numbers on the Boards. Joining me today, as always, is a guy who elbows guys' teeth out all the time, yep. and those plays are never reviewed either. Nope. He's Jeff Skin Wade. Hey, everybody. Protect your grill. It's me, Skin, with the sharp elbows. We uh, we got Harrison Barnes on mic on Monday to uh, to promote his shock doctor mouth guards. Ah. He's gonna, he's, he, it's Christmas time. You know, it's the holiday season. Yes. So I, I think his teammates might be receiving a gift in their locker. Now, I thought, and I could be wrong on this, but he, he's involved in getting equipment to some schools that uh, don't have good resources. Yeah, a couple of uh, Dallas high schools, he, he gave them mouth guards and I think yes. sleeves and, and other stuff too. Yeah, so that's uh, that's in the, within the spirit of what Harrison do. The spirit is that he gives to the community and then he lights it up on the floor. It's kind of like what his, his bid is. Yeah, now I don't think Patrick Beverly will be playing games against any Dallas area high school teams anytime soon, uh-huh. but in the event that he does, yeah, they'll be ready for him. Do you think? Uh, th- and this might be a loaded question, so think through it before you fire off an answer. Do you think that Patrick Beverly is a quote unquote dirty player? Man, it's I a tough like, question. Yeah, I feel like he's one of those guys where, like, if he's on your team, you are always singing his praises. Look how much this guy cares. He just right. wants to win. Right. Um, but there are a few players that always kind of find themselves in situations like that. Right, he's one of them. You know what he is is, uh, and and uh, you know I think I said this on the broadcast. I know I said this on the Ben and Skin show, but his second NBA game was against the Mavericks, and I didn't watch him in Arkansas. I didn't know anything about him, and he had played I guess the night before and played a couple minutes, got in, but against the Mavericks he got in like in the second quarter or third quarter or something, and. I was just taken aback. I was like, man, that dude is going so hard, and he is picking up full court. And I remember I said something to the effect of, if that guy is going to play like that, he'll be in the league for a long time. And I knew nothing about his offensive game, nothing. But it's just Did he come into the league with Houston? Um, I don't know if he had been with somebody before that, but it was like a it was like a December signing or something. Like he was on a 10-day contract. Okay. I, I can't remember exactly the details, but I, I didn't know anything about him, and I'm watching him play going, man. I mean, just look at that dude. That dude wants to be in the NBA. And, uh, and you know, here we are all these years later, and he's still doing the same thing. And it's like, if you go and you play, I don't play hoop. I don't hoop anymore. But when I did, and you get into a game, and there's always a guy in the game that is uh, just trying to get a workout. He's not really a basketball player. He may be wearing running shoes. He dives for every loose ball. He undercuts you. And it's like... It's not that he's a bad guy. He just didn't grow up playing basketball. And so a lot of the things that you would never do around experienced basketball players, he does. He's just going hard. I feel like Patrick Beverly is the NBA version of that guy. I'm not saying I'm saying it's all relative, right? I mean, on the scale of NBA players, he plays in a way where it's like 
complete reckless abandon, and that's all fine and good until you take Russell Westbrook out of the playoffs. Yeah. You know, or that's all fine and good until someone's tooth is bouncing on the floor. And it's like, I don't know what that line is. Obviously, you want everybody to play as hard as they can at all times, but you can't play out of control. And I feel like at times he goes so hard that he sort of plays out of control. And when you play out of control, bad stuff happens. I don't think that he's a bad guy either. I don't either. Like, he doesn't really come across that way, no. but he plays like a maniac. And so yes. there is kind of like a weird... So, I mean, it's almost, I guess he's the point guard version of Zaza, isn't he? Yeah. You know, Zaza's yeah. like the biggest teddy bear sweetheart of all time. We right. We know that from seeing him up close. Now, if he had never played here, I'm not sure that I would think that Zaza is all that great of a dude. Did you see, uh, I don't know how much NBA TV you watch, but the Pistons played the Warriors the other night and beat them. And before the game, every one of those dudes were just loving on Zaza. KD yeah. and Steph. I mean, they all were because we know when he was here... That guy is awesome. Like yeah. he is an awesome dude. I'm not sure. I, I don't. I don't know what James Harden thinks of Pat Beverly, but I feel like he was sort of like the enforcer, kind of the protector. Right. Like uh, every hockey team, their fourth line right wing is yep. just kind of a sort of. I, I don't. They know, call like him a goon. Yeah, a goon. You right. know, just a grunt, kind of big dude comes in and just sort of ogres his way around the ice and and protects the the star center. You right. Know? And uh, I feel like that's Pat Bev. Now, normally you would expect it to be a guy who's Zaza size, not a guy who is six foot one and you know probably thirty two years old or right. whatever Pat Bev is. But uh, he's made a nice career for himself. I don't so. mean it as a diss session. No, no, uh, yeah, you yeah. know. But it, it is one of those things where it's like, man, you're involved in all this stuff. Yeah, he's like a it ain't a he's kind of a magnet, you know. Yeah, he's a magnet. But that was that was his first time being ejected, and it wasn't even for elbowing Dennis's tooth out. It was for throwing a hot bounce pass to Don Nobler. Yeah, and that who was never dropped his clapper. <laughs> <laughs> he deserves some credit for that. Yeah. Oh, man. Good times. Good times. So that, of course, that play, in case you have, I don't know, maybe you didn't see the game or you don't pay attention to the Mavs, but listen to this podcast for some reason. <laughs> That's a weird person. Yeah, that, what, what percentage of, of our listeners do you think has never seen a Mavs game? Zero. Zero? Wow. Zero. All right. I, you, know what, you know what I think, though? I think that uh, our podcast, I'm sure you can get the numbers on this, I think our podcast is listened to more in Europe this year than it has been in the past. That is probably true. Because probably true. I, I've noticed I get some random tweets from someone in Slovenia every now and then. Yeah. Luca's got, I mean, he's got fans in Slovenia. He's got fans in Spain, Spain. obviously, too. Yeah. Uh, probably all across Europe. And the he's global, court. homie. Yeah. Max, he's having a great year. Yeah. Uh, you know, we got we got international audience. But uh, that all happened on Sunday evening when yep. the Mavs beat the Clippers. The final score of that game was what, 114-110. It was a four-point game. Yeah, Mavs win, Mavs win. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr. closed it out with big block and Tobias Harris, who is probably going to be an all-star. He should be. Uh, that's the guy that you might have never heard of. You look up and say, he's got 25. What's he's aver He's averaging 24 points a game this season. Yeah, Tobias Harris has been good for a while. You know, and you know, the interesting thing about their team, too, though, is that their closer is Lou Williams. Yeah. He is the – it, it fluctuates. Last time I checked, for a while he was the leading fourth quarter scoring in the, score in the league. He's been passed by Butler and LeBron. I know when Bede's up there, I'm forgetting somebody. But he is a top five fourth quarter scorer in the league last night. They won again. So so this is how, and maybe we get further into this, but last night the Clippers won at New Orleans. Second night of a back-to-back -back for the Clippers, Lou Williams had eight in the fourth quarter. I think Lou Williams is an all-star. 
Now, I know it's hard to make the All-Star team in the West, but they have the best record in the West. should have been last year, too. Yes. I mean, they weren't even good. La- oh, they were fine. They were 500 last year. But, I mean, this year, they're the number one seed. Yeah. I want a, uh, I want to make a Lou Williams documentary. We, you pitched that last week. Yeah, I pitched that last week. Yeah, okay. you've been talking about that for I've a while. I've been big on this. What is what is his story? What's what's your Lou Williams Well, aside from the whole uh, he had two girlfriends at the same time that were cool with each other, which <laughs> seems amazing to me, um, is he just – I think he just snuck up on the world in that, you know, I'll ask people that are sports fans. Maybe they're not hard, hardcore NBA fans, but they're sports fans. And I'll be like, hey, uh, you know, what do you think of Lou Williams? Like, what? Um, And it's like, this dude has been a six-man of the year. This dude is the second all-time leading scorer off the bench in NBA history. Really? Yes. Okay. Did you know that? I did not know that. Do you know know who number one is? Still in the league. Still in the – oh, Jamal Crawford? Yeah. Wow. Wow. And second, Lou Williams, second all time. Yeah, he's started a hundred and nine games in his career. Are you kidding me? Are you pulling up Lou right now? Yeah. Yeah. How many games has he played? Eight hundred and eighty-four. And and he's only start. He's a hundred and nine. Crazy. And how many of those times? How many of those times that he came off the bench was he the best scorer on his team? Probably almost every single time. Yeah. And the other thing too is he's played on like some bad Philly teams, and you know he's played on some. He's been in Atlanta. He's been in Toronto. So it's like one of those deals where I just think he's. I think it's amazing to fly under the radar for a decade and a half. And I think for the most part, he has. Now you're going, well, dude, he's been six man of the year before. I know, it's like, I know, but just go talk to random sports fans and, hey, what do you what do you think about Lou Williams? They won't have strong opinions. They don't know about him. And so it's like, I just think it's amazing to build this career completely under the radar. 14 se- Is it 14 seasons? Uh, oh, my God. He's played for a lot of teams. He has play he came in the league in 2005 so yeah 14 15 years yeah uh and you know and he's been great he's been really really good i mean really really good uh so i just think he's an interesting dude and i like his post-game interviews he's real chill he's a little dude but he just makes big shots yeah he's kind of like you you would think sort of the the stereotypical sixth man microwave kind of guy is more like jet just like irrational confidence guy and jet's very loud and he would tell you how good he is I don't think Lou Williams is that way. No. Jamal Crawford's not really that way either. But I feel like with, with Lou and Jamal, but especially with Lou, because kind of everybody knows who Jamal Crawford is, I think. Yeah. Uh, I don't think anyone knows that Lou Williams scored 22 points per game last season. Nope. But uh, if you asked NBA players, I bet their opinion of him would differ pretty significantly from the public. And he hit. You know what else, man? Do you have quick access there to clutch time numbers? Uh, keep for talking. In, for him? Yeah, because keep- he is a... I'm telling you, dude. I mean, I'm like a league pass junkie. And so I can't tell you how many times I've seen Lou Williams hit a tough shot with a hand in his face. Uh, He did last night against New Orleans. Hmm. You should have seen the bucket. He I think he had a foot on the line. But he sealed that game last night with a tough, tough jumper with a hand in his face. And he's only – I bet he's listed at 6'3". He ain't 6'3". He's probably 6'1 or 6'2". Yeah, if if that. I mean, his hair probably makes him a little taller than Dennis. He's got some nice curls going up there. Yeah, last year uh, he shot only 40% in the clutch, 41%, but a lot of those were threes, so... And also, yeah. those aren't bad clutch percentage numbers. No. Usually, percentages go way down in the clutch. I think Kobe's like a career 34% clutch shooter. Yeah, this year he's 46% in the clutch. Tony, dude, he's pretty good. money. Hasn't missed a free throw yet either. Yeah, in the, so cl- if, in the clutch. If you want to make a if you want to make a documentary with me, uh, let me know. I want to make the uh, okay. Well, so here's my offer. I have made videos before. Uh huh. 
Um, probably none of them. Well, the one that we made was good, but I didn't actually make that. That's the the lottery potion. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which brought us Luca, by That's the way. That's what we I don't, did. I don't think we get enough credit for that. But I have never made a good video before. So that's are not you, a, are you bra- that's a weird brag. Well, no, I'm I'm oh. just saying like that's those are my terms. I'll work on this with you as oh, long as long as you know that I've never done anything good before. Yeah, so you're basically telling me that you're the Pat Beverly of video making, which that's <laughs> that's okay. You're gonna try really hard. Whoa. you may hurt some people during filming. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I say we do it, man. You, There's nothing stopping us. I'm the opposite of Lou Williams. If you asked regular Mavs fans, like, uh-huh. what do you think of Bobby's video making skills? They would probably think I'm fine because the videos that they see are great, but they just don't know that I don't make them. Right. But whenever you ask my my coworkers, they would say, "No, that guy's trash." What, what do you think about uh, going and pitching to Cuban? Hey, there's a couple of Mav employees that want to make a Lou Williams documentary. <laughs> yeah. Are you interested in them he'd, devoting he'd, some time to this? We could show it at the Magnolia Theater. Yeah, you know, that'd be great. He'd, I'm in. He'd be on board. Just wait for Lou to retire, and we'll yeah. we'll chronicle his career. Hashtag Lou Williams documentary project. Hit yeah. us up on social media. Uh, but yeah, big win, skin. Big win against the Clippers. I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to say about that game. The the thing I wanted to say is uh-huh. that was I'm I'm happy that Dennis was able to make that that block to win the game because he's been playing much more active much more energetic defense the last yes. probably couple weeks uh really since they started winning i mean it's no surprise he's playing better on defense they're winning games um i thought that was his best defensive game just in terms of like not looking at numbers or anything but just my memory of the way he was defending and staying in front of guys and i'm not even talking about the block shot i'm talking about most of the time he was covering avery bradley yeah, avery, I and lou williams for a little yes bit too. and so just watching the game and watching where he was position-wise and how he competed, I thought that was one of the best defensive games I've seen him play by a million miles. Yeah, and it's great that that game-winning play is getting so much love because a lot of his improved play on that end has kind of slipped under the radar. Yep. But now it's I think it's like entered the uh, the NBA sort of uh, zeitgeist that he's improving as a defender. Yep. And so that's good. Um, it usually takes guys many years, and I'm not saying that Dennis isn't going to get who who they playing. They they got the Pelicans, Drew Holiday, pretty soon. Oh, have so. fun with against the uh, Portland. Tra- oh, yeah, oh so we were recording yeah, this. Before. Yeah, yeah, so okay. we're so we're recording this on Tuesday before the Mavs have played right, the Blazers. Right. Who knows? Maybe last night Damian Lillard scored zero points, and Dennis, I'm pretty sure Dennis put the clamps on. Yeah, Dennis uh, held him shut to zero. him down. But yeah, it's Drew Holiday, dude. They got so starting with that Houston game. Uh, last week, so mm-hmm. last whatever Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever they went down to Houston and and blew the Rockets out by twenty points. The we heck, just lost to Minnesota too. They're, yes, they were winning by nineteen points in that game. Oh, they, they were. They, yeah, I just saw stuff at the end. Yeah, Minnesota had not won a game all year when trailing by double digits before, until they played the Rockets. Chris Paul's back, but anyway, starting with that game against the Rockets, sixteen of the Mavs' next eighteen games are against Western Conference teams. Oh, this is huge. It is a big big stretch of schedule and that takes us all the way to january when they get rewarded by getting to play philly and boston on the road yeah fourth so, and the fourth and the fifth or yeah, whatever so that's your are. return to the east is getting yeah. to play those guys back to back yeah but so this is a big 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 stretch of schedule and uh you're gonna need defense if you're gonna be playing western teams that includes they're about to go to denver they're about to play jamal murray they're you know like every single team in the west has a good point guard yeah so it's gonna be up to dennis to and other guys but dennis to stop them i think dennis was really for a lot of different reasons you know you'll go and you'll look at the box score and it's not going to jump out at you but i thought dennis was special on Sunday night. I think that was the Mavs signature win of the year. I know some people tell you the Golden State win. Uh, you know, the, obviously they had a bunch of big home wins during this stretch. But that game, the, the Rockets game last Wednesday, 
Uh, but that game was special because Luca didn't play. And so, you know, I'm not saying that whatever Rick tells us before the game is like what he's telling his team. But in asking him questions at the presser about what do you expect out of Dennis tonight and who steps up and all this stuff, he was talking about, and they've been big on this defense and the identity of this team being defense. And then, of course, the first quarter score was 35-34. But the Mavericks made a bunch of key defensive plays down the stretch. And instead, of, and obviously, J.J. stepped up with 20 in the first half. Barnes had 30. You know, there's, there's got to be scoring in this league, and guys are going to step up to fill the void. But Rick's point before the game was that we're not going to win by just having someone, oh, I'll take over for Luka's touches. We're going to win by defending and rebounding. And that'll lead to better offense and so on and so forth. And then they went out there and did it. 23 rebounds for DeAndre Jordan. 30 for Barnes points. Um, 30 rebounds. Yeah. Oh, Barnes. Uh, but did you see that the Mavericks had 64 rebounds, which is yep. the second most they've ever had? And I think the most was an overtime game. Second, Like ever? Yes. Really? They out-rebounded uh, the Clippers by 20, dude. That well, I, I knew that the, I knew they had sixty four, but for that to be the second most ever, is I believe so. Crazy. Now I may have that wrong, but I was talking to Scott Tomlin and the Mavs PR staff after the game, and he's and I thought what he told me was the most they'd ever had was sixty six, and that was an overtime game. Wow, that's crazy. I mean, the Clippers did; they took ninety five shots, which is a whole lot, and they only made forty two, which is forty four percent, which is fine. Right. But that means that yeah, I mean, they they only had eight offensive rebounds in that entire game. The Mavs had forty seven defensive rebounds. That's huge. Wild. Wild. Yeah. And uh, one thing that we had talked about last week on the last episode of this program, in case you haven't heard that one, uh, pause it, go listen to that one, and then pick up okay. where you left off. It's here. a lot of work. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm a demanding, I'm demanding of you. I'm demanding You're of You're a taskmaster. Exactly. Um, Danilo Gallinari, Tobias Harris, they're both shooting like 45% on threes this season. Uh-huh. They took 10 combined against the Mavs, which is a whole lot, but. Gallinari took 11 twos. Tobias took uh, 13 twos. You'd rather force mid-range uh, pull-up shots, which Gallinari took a couple of and Tobias yep. took a couple of, than threes. And that's kind of the difference between winning and losing. Gallinari made uh, two mid-range jumpers that you probably weren't paying attention to in the first half. One where his foot was on the line. One where he got he had a pump faked, stepped into like an 18-footer and made both. Well, the difference between two and three is one point, and he took two of those. That's two points, and mm-hmm. the Mavs won by four. Yeah. This is a pretty significant play. That I mean, just simply running a guy off the three-point line is a winning play. Absolutely. That's, uh, those are great points, and I think you know those kind of nuances are things you need to watch for in the game because he's got as good a step-back three as anybody in the league. It is, what, is he 6'10"? How, what do they list him as? Uh, he's probably listed at 6'10", and he's, I would say he's about that big. Yeah, he, and he shoot, his release point is high. So that's a really hard step back three to close out on. His step back three. I mean, we talk about Lucas, and obviously LeBron has one, and KD and different guys. But man, his is tough. It's yeah. really tough. And Tobias is good off the dribble, yes. stepping into those threes. But yes. I mean, the Mavs again. They do. They Finney Smith and Barnes and West. Those three guys do a really good job of running guys off the line. It was, I think, in a lot of ways because of the tooth getting knocked out and the block at the end of the game. And I think it was a sexy game. But man, that was a signature win. Absolutely, it was huge. Yep. Uh, so a little bit about. Dennis, I guess. Uh, I'm sorry for yelling that into the microphone. I'm just very excited to have this conversation. Um, so Dennis's shooting earlier this year was great. I mean, truly great. So from uh, October 28th to November 19th, 46.5% on threes for the entire season. Before November 19th, he was shooting 39.3% on threes. That's very good. That's great. Yeah. Now, since November 19th, he is shooting 
23.1% on threes. But I will tell you what happened on November 21st. Dennis sprained his right wrist. He's been playing with tape ever since then against Brooklyn on November 21st. That's the day before Thanksgiving. He took three shots and none of them were outside of like two feet. I mean, he there was a there was a play against Houston where he caught the ball in transition on the wing in his own gym and like you could see him thinking like do I have to take this shot right now? And he finally did and he and he missed it pretty badly. He was so out of rhythm. Uh, he's taken 13 threes in the last three games, which is probably not good from a guy that's struggling with the wrist thing. Right. But I think a lot of that is just purely because his wrist isn't working right right now. Yeah. So I would expect him to bounce back a little bit. Obviously, he's not a 23% three-point shooter. He never has been, not even last year, whenever he was struggling with that shot. But the reason that I'm talking about Dennis, and we've talked about this, I don't know, probably 55 times yeah. in this podcast, is because there's still the the Luca versus Dennis can they coexist? Can they play together? Can you build a team around these two guys? Um, here is the – while we're still on this top, the topic of the Clippers game. Okay. Here is the cold, hard fact of the day. So, the Mavs against the, the Celtics. Uh-huh. Dennis missed that game. Right. Lucas Luca started at point guard with Wesley Matthews, Dorian Finney-Smith, Harrison Barnes, DeAndre Jordan. Yes. That group of five – was minus 14 points per 100 possession in that game. They got off to a great start in the third quarter. They almost lost the game. Got hammered. They just could not get it going. Yeah. Against the Clippers, no Luka. Dennis started at point guard with Wesley Matthews, Dorian Finney-Smith, Harrison Barnes, DeAndre Jordan. That group of five was plus 18 points per 100 possession. Okay, so we need to cut Luka? That, exactly, right? Because this is what right. I like about one-game sample sizes yeah. America. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that group, I even said this on the last podcast. Mm-hmm. We were talking about this. I almost brought this up on the air. Yeah, I you said, said if you if Den- Dennis had played what three minutes with that yeah, group, yeah. yeah, they had played. So I think in between that podcast and this game, they played two minutes together. Okay, so they have played five minutes together. That's all a great sample season. size. Yeah, five minutes all year before the Clippers game, and then yeah. against the Clippers, they played something like eighteen minutes and outscored the Clippers significantly. Uh, to the tune of plus 18, which is now their best lineup all year. So we need to put – Luka needs to come off the bench. I mean, clearly. Yeah. So that's the that's the the crux of this whole thing. So clearly saying that the Mavs need to cut Luka, the Mavs need to trade Luka, that all sounds absurd, right? Because yes, because it is. Because it's small sample size. Well, right. obviously we know Luka's good, and we know that you know the team is good whenever he's on the floor, blah, Luka, blah, blah. Luka, the rookie of the month. Yeah, the rookie of the month. That was for October slash November. Yeah. Uh, very good player, obviously, but Dennis and Luca together, they have combined to play 108 career games together when they're both on the floor in the same game, when they're both active, they've played 18 games together. Mm-hmm. So as stupid as it sounds to say the Mavs should cut Luca because Dennis is better with three wings and a roll man than Luca is, is just, it's just as stupid to say that Dennis is not like that they should move on from Dennis and turn the give the keys to the franchise to Luca because they have played 18 games together and they're probably both going to play at least a thousand games in the NBA. Yeah. It's and and the I I understand the discussions because what you're doing is you're taking your previous game watching experience and previous experience of watching other players that you have somehow comped these players towards and then projecting it as to whatever this thing is. And we've had this discussion on the Ben and Skin show. And so when we talk about uh, what are ideal fits and all this stuff, 
Well, you're projecting because you don't know what an ideal fit is until guys play together. Look at how many guys have not been able to really play their best with LeBron, the best player in the world, who's unselfish. So how does all that right make now? Sense? You're even thinking like, what is Brandon Ingram doing in L.A.? I mean, right. That's that's and like I a, and love Brandon. He's Ingram. a nice player. He's a, I think he's a star. Yeah. Right. So, uh, so what the the things that I look at on these things, and I, I I realize you know in a vacuum, Dennis is not an ideal fit off of Luca or vice versa, but I can tell you ways in which I do think I think because of Luca's relative limitations athletically i want him surrounded by badass athletes so i look at dennis and go well that's a premier athlete uh then we go well dennis really needs to be a good defensive player well he's making strides to get better at that then we go well he's got to be able to shoot off of luca well his percentages are going up outside of those little numbers after the injury that you pointed out and then the thing that i always look at that matters to me and I've keep, I keep making the Monte Ellis comparison here. So uh, Nelly tells a funny story about him going to Monte early on. And remember when Monte was, a, Monte was a rookie and he came off the bench with Golden State? He destroyed us in the playoffs, right? Yeah, unfortunately. Um, and so Nelly was like, hey, Monte, you know, I can turn you into the best point guard in the NBA. And he said that Monte's response was, oh, man, I, I just want to play, coach. Just come on, man. You know, in other words, his added, his reception strategy to that was, man, don't mess with me. Don't me- I do what I do, man. Just let me do my thing, okay? And Dennis is, by all accounts, his reception strategy has been, man, Luca's badass. So what do I need to do to make this work so that I can go win games and my career will be defined by winning games? Dennis recognizes what Luca is and wants to play with it. He doesn't want to go, ah, oh, he's going to get my touches. And uh, I mean, Dennis has been out there actively and aggressively trying to soak everything up to adapt his game to work with Luca. So to me, his athletic ability and his attitude outweighs everyone in a lab going, well, this type of guard doesn't work with this type of player because of this. To me, give me the talented people with that kind of attitude that are willing to work on those parts of the game with our development staff. And then let's make a decision in a hundred or 150 games. Don't tell me 18 games in that that ain't going to work. Cause I've already seen signs that it does. Yep. And so, there's no pressing financial reason no. to make that decision. Anyway. Rookie contracts. What yeah. are we doing here? Yeah. I mean, and I get it. It's hot take world. We're in, we're, you know, Stephen A's ruined the world. I get it. We all have to have hot takes. I mean, I, I think hot takes are the scourge of the universe. I think it just makes everybody dumber. But whatever, I get it. We've got to market something, and here's a soundbite. Well, I mean, it's not really even a hot take as much as I think, like, NBA fans just in general are more in GM mode now. Because they, of the they, tools yeah, to do yeah, it. Yeah, there's just so much more information available. People know the salary cap a little more, and, and you know, player archetypes, I think, have been really kind of like streamlined and simplified in the last five years. Like there was that funny pop quote the other day saying that he thinks threes are ruining the NBA. Right. It's so boring now, which there's, a, I think, a little truth to that because almost every team plays the exact same style now. It's all spread, pick, and roll. Right. Which means it's a little easier to evaluate players because most players have similar roles to each other. Right. right. So you see point guard who can't shoot. It's easy to connect. Dennis to Russell Westbrook and Derrick Rose, even though Dennis's shooting numbers this season are better than either of those two have ever had in a season in their careers. But don't tell anybody that. Um, I don't want the truth. But yeah, I mean, I, we're like, and well, and look at it too. This is like even a, a bigger take is 
you know, we're remaking movies that came out like five, ten years ago. Like we're already remaking The Lion King, which is not even twenty five years old. Right. We're already uh, they are people already want an office reunion, and the office has been off the air for like two years. <laughs> I and saw it's that like yesterday. we're so desperate to like live to instant you know, nostalgia yeah to, yeah to get nostalgia and then right. we're also thinking ahead to the future like well it's like to think about today you know like what is happening today right now that is cool uh and that's kind of rick's whole mindset is like today matters win the day right and for dennis to be a rick guy i saw someone tweet this i think maybe josh bow that for for dennis to be a rick guy like regardless of his skill set is a huge win just like in the course of this uh sort of rebuild that the Mavs are going through is that Dennis is buying into what Rick is doing. Yes. And that not every player will buy into every coach's plan no. for them, especially when that player is really good. And, and that's that's kind of like the number one point I've been wanting to hammer home with people. And I'm not acting like me and Dennis are ace homies. Mm. Uh, well, you guys do hang out pretty often. Well, I mean, I get along great with the guy, but everyone gets along great with the guy. That's true. He's a good person. Uh, but I do talk to people on the staff a lot, and I do know what they're working on with him. And I do know what his attitude is. And his attitude is, yes, let's go get this. You know, again, uh, there's been any number of players, young, talented players that have been like, eh, this coach doesn't get me. I'm not – that's not if, – if, if Dennis was resistant to this, then I get it. But he's not. He's an incredibly talented young player that is wide open to making this work. You should be on board with that not trying to figure out a way to get rid of him. That yep. just doesn't make sense. And he's super into his buddy's success. Like, yes, yes. He goes crazy when Dorian like makes a layup. He's like, oh, my God. He does the Dirk shut it down thing. And yeah. After like a, a tip-in, you know. You saw the Luca reaction to the block shot. Yeah, like those guys, this guys really, Memorific. really like each other. Yes. You know, yeah, they, they really enjoy. So, like, what is the point of like trying to break this up it's fun right now you know right. in five years we're gonna look back and like if, if dennis isn't on the mavs anymore we're gonna look back on this season and be like that was so much fun everybody's so obsessed with the nostalgia like we all love jason terry and miss jason terry miss jason kidd jason kidd didn't always get along with everybody like jason kidd was a surly guy i mean it's just kind of but you know they won games like, yeah dennis gets along with Everybody. Yes. Everybody in He's the world. He's happy to be here, dude. Yeah. He loves it here. Yeah. And and so, uh, you know, I, I understand those conversations, but I just think they're so premature. Show me where they don't work. Mm. Show me, like, like, and I'm talking about a real sample size. The team is, what are the, if we won 9 out of 11, or what is it, 8 of 11, yeah. 9 of 11? Yeah, 8 out of 11 games. What, so we're breaking this up? What are we doing, everybody? Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah, now I will say. Go back I mean, to your lab. There are whenever you build a team around and I mean Dennis and Luca are kind of your two main guys at this point as far as most touches uh I think Barnes is ad averaging more shots obviously but it's a Dennis and Luca set the table team yeah right so whenever those two are playing heavy minutes together or apart when you have two when you have a 19 year old and a 21 year old now 21 year old playing defense you're probably going to get cooked a lot yeah those those two guys will they get picked on and you know that's kind of the way of the the way things work in the NBA. Yeah, and then and then also the vets. Even if the coaches aren't playing it that way, the vets on the floor, it's like blood and water for sharks. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, dude, how many people get switched onto Luca or ISO onto Luca, and they're like, "Yeah, give me the ball, give me the ball, give me the ball." In the Lakers game, LeBron was like intentionally going out of his way to get one of those two switched on him. I mean, right. that's just how that's how it is. That's how it goes down. You got to take your lumps. So that is a clear limitation defensively. But that's why it's important. To look at the number, well, to not even look at the numbers because it's such a small sample size, but to look at kind of like theoretically, because this entire this entire conversation is purely theoretical. But when you get Dennis or Luca, Dennis 
or Luca on the floor with Finney Smith, Matthews, Barnes, Jordan. Say what you want about DeAndre, but he is a very, very, very good rebounder, and he's at worst fine as a rim protector. Yeah. Finney Smith and Matthews are two of they force they are two of the toughest shot forcers in the league. Yes. Finney Smith is going to be an all defensive player probably. I love he stays his healthy. I mean, maybe not this year, but like in the future. He is a monster. Barnes is really good on defense this year, too. Yeah. So when you get one of those guys with those four guys, surprisingly, they're really good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so right. that's kind of the, you know, when, if, if, if Luca and Dennis are on the floor at the same time, you can't have all four of those guys. You can have three of those guys. Yeah. And suddenly you have two holes instead of one. Is this so? Let me ask you this. Yeah, I'm gonna put you in a tough spot. Okay, and I'm not even gonna give you the other team that we're playing, but we're, they're playing small ball, and it's critical juncture. Who is your small ball five? Oh man, uh, well, are the Mavs ahead or behind? Are there, it's it's uh, there's every they're up one or down one. We're fl- we're flipping possessions every shot that's okay. made. Well, I, I really think I mean if this is like playoff, you got to go out there and play small ball. Yeah, playoff basketball, and you got to win. Uh, I'm going with Dennis. Luca, Matthews, Barnes, Finney Smith. Me too. Yeah. And I was because I th- I could totally see the Dwight Powell thing. Or Maxi too. I mean, yeah, Maxie or Maxi can, can switch a little. But bit. I think I'm going with Dorian. And you know the the I think here's the biggest testament to how far Dorian's come. He's going through a horrific shooting slump, and it has not hurt the team. In he, my opinion, he made like almost what proved to be almost a game winning tip in. I think his tip in gave the Mavs the lead for good. It did. It did. I mean, he is he is he just plays out of his mind always. He always goes 100 miles an hour. He's like Pat Beverly if Pat Beverly was like more polite as a player. You know, Dorian is great. Dorian, Dorian is, is great. great. It's a great story, yeah. man. So kind of the, I don't know, my closing thoughts on this thing, uh, and I want to get your reaction, and then we can talk a little bit about the Western Conference playoff picture, and, and we touched on it last week, but things are just as crazy now as they were last week. Um, so Luca and Dennis, right? Kind of the, the, the praise for Luca, which is almost a backhanded compliment for Dennis, I guess, is that Luca is a young guy who can affect winning. Like, he impacts winning. He has a positive impact on his team. And generally, that's not the case with young players, particularly guys that need the ball in their hands. Trey Young, really nice player, but the Hawks are bad. Yeah. Devin Booker, really nice player, but the Suns aren't, aren't very good. Now, no. what do those two teams have in common? Super young, super talented players that need the ball in their hands surrounded by kids yeah right right so that's how you end up back in the lottery yeah and i mean dennis you know the mavs were rolling out a pretty young team last year and dennis wasn't able to pull him over the that's no that's no uh criticism of dennis i think part of the reason luca is affecting winning this season is because the mavericks signed deandre jordan they brought back devin harris and what was their reasoning for doing all of these things like people were complaining saying why are they why are they adding all these young these older guys like deandre's been in the league 10 years he's 30 why are they bringing back Devin Harris and letting Yogi Ferrell go? Why are they? Why did they just draft Jalen Brunson, this 22-year-old college kid, instead of a 19-year-old with a little more raw potential, like Mitchell Robinson, for example, or right, somebody else? Right. They want more polished veteran players. Their whole reasoning for this, I'm sure they've said this out loud, but you and I have said this too, you fill this roster with veterans that can kind of help lighten the load for the two young guys, Luca and Dennis, and provide enough help to win games now so that you don't create a culture of losing. Right. So while Luca is getting better, while Dennis is getting better, and Dennis is definitely getting better, Luca is Luca's really good, and he will obviously get better too. Um, while those two guys are sort of finding their way, 
you have DeAndre and Wes and Barnes and JJ and Devin and Maxie and Dwight Powell, all these guys who are in their upper 20s or even 30s that are just destroying everybody. I mean, the bench is winning these games still. I mean, the starting lineup is, is consistently almost a negative, you know, every night. Mm-hmm. It's the veterans that are winning the games right now. You're winning enough games to be good, to be a French playoff team. It's where the Mavs wanted to be. They wanted to compete for a playoff spot this year. And then Luca and Dennis are sort of discovering their identity. And the alternative is you don't have DeAndre, you don't have Wes, you don't have Barnes or JJ or Devin or any of those other guys. You lose 60 games, <laughs> and you just start loading your roster with young guys forever. Right. And then you're in your Phoenix, where five years after they started their rebuild, they're still 15 games under 500, 20 games into the year. Right. And they have n- there's almost no hope of getting yourself out of it unless you trade your young guys for veterans right. to do get, what the Mavericks are already doing. Get, try to get the right mix. I, and that's just why I've been so pro Harrison Barnes. I think he's so underrated. And I just don't think – I think he's entering the quote-unquote prime of his career as defined by the idea of the perfect mixture of still having your youthful athleticism but having enough experience where you know what you do with it. And In the NBA, it used to be like 27, but that's back when guys came out after their junior year. Like one and done has changed all that, right? He's in such a great place, and you look at his experiences and all the things that he has gone through. Like, think about, his, you know, did you know that his rookie year in Golden State, I think he was their first or second leading scorer in the playoffs? Yeah. That was the Mark Jackson, last Mark Jackson yeah, year. He had a breakout playoff. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, then they switch their style of play, and he goes from being a big part of the, you know, the death lineup and then he's and then here comes you know he moves because of kd and then he comes here and he's a leading scorer two years in a row on bad teams and he's he's done international ball he's done so much and so all of that factors into where you are today and i think when you watch him play he plays with the confidence of a guy that knows he belongs knows he's great and has all this veteran experience and I just don't think that you can undersell that when you're this is Luca's team and look at Dennis on the rise and all that. Those guys, one of the reasons those guys are able to shine, one, they have their abilities and they're great, but they have the right guys around them. And Harrison Barnes, to me, is such a big part of that. Uh, and I, and I, God, I hope fans realize that. You know, what he does for guys, think about you, Carmelo Anthony's out of the league right now. And the reason he's out of the league is because just, he just has to have the ball. Give him the ball, man. Does everybody just give him the ball and shut up? Give him the ball. Okay, well, let's go win 28 games. But Harrison Barnes gets his without forcing it, and he can go seven straight possessions without touching the ball, and he's engaged, and when he gets it, he does something with it, and he doesn't force it. There's a lot to that. That's a nice attribute, uh, and I just I, I don't know if people properly appreciate what he does for this team. And you just can't count on that from younger players. Right. Like, Luka has scored 30 in a game. He's had stretches where he scored 24 out of five nights. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, whether his hip was bothering him or not, against the Lakers, he goes like one for 11. He's got two bad games in L.A., yeah. shooting-wise. Young players have bad games. Like, yeah. Whether they're healthy or not, they could be They could be injured. I know Luka's struggling with that hip thing, whatever. Dennis, his right wrist is betraying him right now, too. They're both struggling the last, like, two weeks, shooting-wise, week and a half, two weeks. Their numbers aren't really there. But Barnes is playing out of his mind. Yeah, DeAndre is—they're using him a little differently on offense, to where he's not touching it on the elbow as much. He's—he's sealing he's guys under the rim. He's shooting a lot more free throws. His scoring numbers are up. Finney Smith is doing more. JJ is playing great. God, JJ, I mean, gr- he's playing great. So like, good. This is the best basketball of his career, probably. Yep. And you're losing these games without those guys, 
easily lose. I mean, against against the Clippers in the fourth quarter, it was Barnes. He had a lot of stuff going to the rim. Unfortunately, he missed his last couple shots, but Finney Smith, who's 25, tipped it in. DeAndre, who's 30, tipped one in. DeAndre made the last free throws. Dennis obviously made the great block at the end. Yep. And Dennis hit a game winner against Minnesota. Uh, Luca has had some really incredible uh, crutch time, cr- crutch, clutch time theatrics, but it's the older guys that are helping you win right now. The they're heads. The, they're the difference between winning and losing, and winning is way more fun than losing. Absolutely, Dennis baby. went through a season of losing last year. They don't need him to do that. Even if you only win, whatever, 38 games this year, it's an improvement. And yeah. It makes you feel a little better. It makes you a little more energized to come to – like, Harrison Barnes is a robot, right? Like, he – you could almost say that he's a little boring. Yeah. Because he doesn't show his personality all the time. He's a pretty quiet player. He doesn't do a whole lot of endorsements or anything. Like he's just kind of a dude who just comes in the comes in the gym, shoots a thousand jumpers, and goes home. And he's what they generically call a lunch pail guy. He is a lunch clocks pail in guy. and clocks out. Although he always stays after. Yeah, hours. and he th- he loves to work. That's kind of his thing. Yeah, he's, if he was the if he worked at an office, he'd show up an hour early and he'd stay. Yeah. after the boss is already gone, he'd right. still be in the office. But even he last year, whenever you're in the thick of your third ten game losing streak of the season. Even his appetite for work just soured a little bit. Yeah, you know he wasn't he wasn't feeling it as much. And who could blame him? Because you're losing, you're losing big. The team you're used to be on is going to win another championship. Like all of these things affect players' attitude and their approach to work and their coachability and all of these all of these abstract concepts that you can't look up in a box score. And so to win a little bit makes you feel just so much better absolutely so much better and uh barnes kind of the same way as dennis they just want to work they just want to win it's hey it's fun to work when you're winning baby it is it is that's why whenever people is ah let's just tank it's like man you're not the one wearing those l's no absolutely you're basically just you're basically i'll just be crass you're crapping where you eat homie yeah well and hey if they would have decided to tank after uh new york then they wouldn't have beaten boston golden state clippers jazz rockets all these teams like they wouldn't be eighth place in the west right now although obviously what happens against portland could change that they might be tied for ninth or tenth in the west after tonight whatever who knows anyway they're on the fringe of playoff contention because as Luca and Dennis are coming along, the veterans are holding them up. Will that be the case in three years? No. But by then, hopefully, those two young guys are, and whoever else they add are good enough to carry it. That's how the circle of life works, baby. Michael Finley, Dirk, Steve Nash, all that stuff. This has all happened before. Time is a flat circle. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, before we get out of here, quick survey of the Western Conference. Okay. So uh, Clippers, first place still. We already knew that. Yeah. You know, the Mavs played them the other night. OK, OKC has played great. They won seven games before they played the Mavs. The Mavs beat them. And since then, I think they're Third, they've eight won. and one or something. Yeah, I mean, they're like, outrageous. Yeah, they're killing. They're people. a defensive monster. Yeah, they're incredible. Steven yes. Adams is that was me kissing my fingertips and doing the chef's thing. He's I'd incredible. kiss Steven Adams. I love that. <laughs> man. <laughs> me too. And Paul George obviously is incredible. He Jeremy knows how Grant. to play I mean, with Russ. Yeah, that is a that's a good team. That's that, a great that team. That team is looking something fierce. Yep. Uh, Golden State, they're fine. Whatever. They're going to get boogie at some point. How yeah, weird is that going to be? And, you know, Draymond and all that stuff. They're yep. injured and the sky is falling and they're still seven games over 500. Uh, this, that's okay. So those four... Whatever happens with the Clippers, they're still a little bit above the rest of the pack for now. So we can talk about them later if they start falling off. But for now, let's just lump them in with the good teams. After those four is where things start getting weird. That's where you get to the Lakers, the Grizzlies, the Blazers, the Mavs, the Wolves, Kings, Pelican Spurs, Rockets, 
all separated by three games. And then, oh, yeah, after the Rockets, it's the Jazz who are a half game behind them. Right. So you got ten teams separated by three and a half games. Yep. Uh, last week, we talked a little bit about the Jazz, the Rockets, and, of course, the Mavs. Yep. Uh, what are some other? What What are you seeing from some of these other teams? Who's so, jumping out at you? That's kind of make you think like, yeah, they're in or no. So yeah. going into the before the season started, I thought, and I think you did too. Thought the Blazers were a team that could fall out because yeah. they were th- three seed and then they tumbled, you know, got swept in the playoffs. So they're going into the Mav game Tuesday night. They had lost five of six and three of ten. They had lost to. Um, a San Antonio team that was struggling. Seven of ten, sorry. Seven, yeah. yeah. They had lost to a San Antonio team that was struggling. Uh, so, you know, by the time you hear this, that game has been played, so we'll see. Um, and then, you know, New Orleans is really struggling, too. Uh, and so it'll, you know, that Anthony Davis thing is hanging over their heads, I think. And that, there's a lot a, of talk. such a weird place to be for them, man. Yeah. And they'll, if they end up having a year where they just fall out of the playoffs, they'll probably trade him this summer because everyone's assuming with his agent being Rich Paul now that he's going to be a Laker or whatever. Um, so that's the New Orleans thing could implode. Portland, you know, they got a really good coach uh, and two really big-time good guards. So th- I, th- I think they'll be in the mix. The interesting thing to me is when does Houston make their run? They are fiddle-farting around, and we'll have them Saturday. Yeah. I mean, they're kind of doing the same thing as the Jazz did, which I said last week, where it's just like you're just digging just a little yeah. deeper every game, and right. you expect the run to come, but when it finally does... What if we end up with a Houston-Golden State first round? That would be crazy. And, like, Houston is peaking, yeah. but it's like a 2-7 matchup, right. and it's like, oh, my God. That'd be nuts. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's like Jet... We had Jet on the pre and post, which was awesome. He's going to do a few more of those. Yeah, how was he? He's... I mean, dude, what, what what would you expect, right? Probably awesome. He was awesome. Yeah. I'd seen him a couple times on NBA TV, but, you know, Jet's one of those guys that, of the players, I know him pretty well. Like, I've been to his house before and, think, you know, met his kids and all that stuff. Uh, so I get along great with him. That's not everybody gets along great with him. Like, I'm not, like, unique in that regard. Yeah. But I, I knew. You're just bragging of, about all the players that your friends were. Hey, they're podcast. all my best friends. <laughs> but uh, I, I knew that he would be uh, – easy to work with but man it was just it was actually better than i thought it would be because yeah. he's just such a natural i think he could do that uh, full-time if he wanted to i think he really wants to coach he was talking a lot about d you know doing the avery johnson thing and being a d1 coach i could also because he's been so involved with all his daughters teams i hadn't even thought about this i could see him being a women's coach yeah um he co- does he still coach the, the lady jets right that's their uh yeah i don't know like because that was like high school, middle school, AAU. Yeah, yeah, it was several layers of it. But yeah. he's got a staff and stuff. So I don't know how hands-on he is with coaching versus like oh, almost like is he in a Jerry West type role for the oh, you know? Gotcha. Okay. I'm not exactly sure. I'll, I'll, I'll we'll ask him next time we see him. He's building 14 year old girl super teams. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at every age. I yeah. mean, <laughs> so. Uh, but anyways, uh, I don't know how I got on that. We were talking, uh, we were talking about, about the Rockets and the Jazz climbing out of holes. Yeah. Uh, Jet was on the broadcast talking about the Rockets on numbers on the boards. I don't even remember how we got off on that Jet tangent. He had said something that made a hell of a lot of sense, though. I'll tell you that. We'll go go back and review the tape. Yeah. Um, I mean, right now, so again, things change every single day, but right now the Pelicans, Spurs, Rockets, and Jazz are all below 500. I I remember what Jet said. Okay. Don't look at who you're playing. Because we were talking about these stretches. The Mavs are in a tough stretch, and they're in a quote-unquote easy stretch. He's like, man, when you start talking about those opponents, that's where you have problems. He gives you focus on the opponent when you're playing the opponent, but don't look at a schedule and go, well, they are this and they are this. He's like, 
Doesn't even matter the name on the jersey. Go control what you can control. And the good teams can do that. Yeah. You know, the the good teams, like we talked about pace before and how last year, even though the Mavs were losing games, they were pretty consistently successfully able to just junk up the, the pace and really yep. slow it down on both ends. This year they're opening up a little bit. I mean, Memphis is really good because they're just able to just gr- slow it to a grind. Obviously, it's their identity, grit and grind, but they can do that. Yeah. And so if you're a good enough team, you can sort of dictate the – the feel of the game, no matter who you're playing. Impose your will, exactly. as they like to say. Exactly. And Conley's the most underrated player in the NBA. He's still. so good, man. Yeah. I've been wa- – it's kind of like – I mean, I love him, and I, I don't like rooting against players, but he's had so many good games against the Mavs. It's like, dude, why aren't you not good anymore? <laughs> Go like, away! They're like 32, you're old, you just yeah. banged your Achilles last year. Like, be bad. And Do something. He, and then he hit seven threes in a 10-point yeah, win. Yeah, like, Dude, ugh, Mike Conley. I'll have nightmares of him forever. Uh, okay, so this is, a, this is a big week. I know Jet doesn't want to uh, think about the opponents, but let's let's bust his advice for a little bit. The Mavs okay. obviously played the Blazers uh, tonight at New Orleans Pelicans. Yep. And then uh, you got the Rockets. Rockets. Home game. Yeah, and that is what, Saturday? So the Mavs Weird 5 o'clock nice, start. Uh, yeah, and that's party on the plaza beforehand. One hour pregame show. Yeah, and then uh, you do get a little reprieve. Well, not a reprieve because the Hawks have beaten you, but – uh, you play Orlando, Atlanta, Phoenix, Sacramento. That is a stretch where you got to win some of those games. Three of those four are at home. How about win three of those four? Do maybe, it. Maybe even all four, but it's just kind of because it gets real tough on Christmas when does, you got man. Portland and Denver and the Clippers and the Warriors all on the road. Portland fourth night or, or fourth game of the stretch, second night of a back to back. That is going to be a very Bad, not so you want to you want you to put it down now. So <laughs> yeah, that, absolutely, that yeah. You. Build up some wins while you're feeling yeah. good. Get everybody healthy. Start keep keep. How about keep playing some good basketball? Yep. And uh, hopefully this thing can maybe in a, in another couple weeks we'll be thinking. What? How are the Mavs in fourth place in the Western Conference? Wouldn't that be wild? Um, all right. Good times are continuing around here. Hopefully the Mavs close out this week well. Skin, I hope you close out this week well as as well. I'm going to do the best I can, and then the next time we talk, we will be through that tough stretch, and we'll have a Monday night game against the Magic coming up. By the way, Magic have been playing really well. They have so, been. Uh, home games, Magic Hawks. So next time we talk, we'll be talking about that. All right, we'll be talking some Eastern Conference yeah. basketball next week. Enjoy Luca. Enjoy Dennis. Just enjoy basketball, man. This is fun. Times are times are good right now. Like let's not betray each other on the internet, shall we? Uh, love you, skin. Have a good week, everybody. It is numbers on the boards. <laughs>